your horse training questions answered. Answered. Welcome to the Carson James Podcast, your weekly boost of horsemanship. No jargon, no fluff, and no BS. Just natural, proven solutions that work. And now, here's Carson James. All right, so via the title of this podcast, you might be thinking, well, I don't really do very many fast things with my horse, but I'll click on it anyway. But what's important to know about the whole speed thing is you would not speed up a horse just so he like gets in better shape or better at running fast or something like that. Now, like if you were riding performance horses, then yeah, there would be some faster speed things for conditioning and keeping it to where they don't lose their minds when they speed up and things like that. But when we go back to the root of it, so we'll just take a second here to go into the instinct. So everybody knows a horse is a flight or fight kind of thing. If they think they cannot uh, flee it, they their secondary will be to fight if they you know can't avoid it. So the thing that goes along with that is usually people can finish this sentence. Like, uh, what does a horse do to feel safe? Well, they move their feet, right? So a really good thing to keep in mind is if the human gets on the horse and does a really good job of helping the horse's mobility, okay, well, that's going to really help that horse kind of want to be with you and be underneath you and be attentive and all the things that you would want. It's, it's one of the pieces. But if you get on that horse and you hinder his movement or make him think that you're hindering his movement, okay, well then that's going to start to lean towards all the things you don't want. And it can be one of the key ingredients in not standing still, rearing up, bolting, bucking, uh, can't walk, trot, and lope on a loose rein, things like that. So it is really, really important that even if you don't like really do anything that involves speed with your horse, at the absolute least, you get them out somewhere and get them where they can trot around real fast with a really nice extended trot with a couple inches of slack in the reins. Having your hands kind of wide and low makes it really easy to teach him to not booger hunt or not uh, get distracted. It, it makes it really easy to teach him to keep his mind and his face right in between your hands. So uh, that really helps with attention. And uh, as far as just spookiness and jumping sideways at every little thing, I've lost track of the amount of times where we were at clinics or something like that. And Somebody had a horse that uh, just wanted to speed up and go with the other horses. And every time another horse came up behind it, he'd tense up and like try to speed up or something like that. And then once we were able to get the rider to just kind of go with the horse, like really post their trot. And now if he like if he started loping, uh, then, you know, they could slow him down for that or if he started to run fast they would bring him back down from that but once we could get him to where the moments that that horse was in a trot they had a couple inches of slack in the reins 
after about, and this is this happens at just about every clinic, but after about eight to ten laps around the pen there, he just, the horse just kind of tries to stop. And if the rider will feel that and allow him to do it, he'll just kind of come in and stop and cock a leg and start chewing. And then nine out of ten times, uh, the horse can, at a bare minimum, walk and trot around on a loose rein for like the rest of the clinic or whatever. And then, you know, if they were, if they took that home and built it, well, then it would get to where that horse could always just stay right underneath them. But it's really counterintuitive of what you would think. Now there is, you know, this is a gray area. Like if he's just going to like run for five miles and collapse along, you can't let him do that either. But there's a little spot there to where those really goey horses, if you can allow them to move and kind of go with them, and let them get out in that and kind of experiment and realize that there's nothing out there. For example, like the 10th lap kind of trotting around the arena. Uh, you know, like the, the first eight or nine laps, the horse is basically running off at a trot. Uh, you can have them run off at a lope, a run, a walk, a trot. Uh, some of them will run off backwards. It's like when you back them up, they just kind of take it and keep flying back no matter what you do and it's hard to get them to to stop doing that you know so uh those first several laps he'll kind of be running off at a trot and he'll be running off at a walk but after a bit it gets to where the rider kind of has to actually ride the horse a little bit to get him to go and when they quit riding he just kind of comes down and stands but the other side of this this deal when you see like the riders that are always choked up on the reins and things like that, and they, those are the horses that have the really high tense necks and hollow backs or uh, way to, instead of being responsive to the leg, they're reactive to the leg. Like if you even touch them with the leg, they just tense up and kind of just leave right out from under you. Even at a, you know, even at a trot, they'll be way out in front of you going faster than what you're riding them, in other words. So uh, it is really, really important. And, well, let's let's finish up with that part. Now, as far as the, the riders that are always holding back on him, well, you know, obviously the reason they do that is because if they don't hold back on him, he speeds up. But then the irony of it is, is kind of the reason he's speeding up is because they're holding back on him so much. So... If you can really kind of feel their feet and feel what they're currently thinking, like every stride, you can kind of start to work that tension to where you're still holding them when they're kind of a little bit thinking goey. But if you'll really feel them, there'll be little spots to where they kind of slow up a little bit. It can be when they're heading away from the gate is a, a pretty obvious spot where that usually happens. But There'll be a lot of spots to where they, it may not be much, but instead of trotting at eight mile an hour, there's a few steps in there at some point where they trot at seven and a half mile an hour. Okay, well, if the rider can sync up with that and hang on him a little bit less in that little spot to where he kind of thought about slowing down a little, and then when he gets back out there, 
increase the hanging and then when he comes down decrease it well you could work that for about 10 minutes and uh before long there would be spots to where you could heck you could give him three inches of slack for like maybe even 10 15 20 or 30 feet and then he would need some support again but then he'd find that good spot again and it always feels good to the horse to be in that slower state, right? Because every time that he's getting into that state, they're alleviating some of the pressure of the reins. So if one's been held his whole life, right, you can't just get on him and throw the reins and be like, hey, well, here, you'll figure it out. A lot of times they don't. A lot of times they just get in a full dead run and and get really wore out and winded and never and the brain never actually started working. But... If you can hang on him as much as you have to, but actually look for opportunities to ease off for even a half a second, if that's all you can, you can get to where you're weaning that horse off of needing to be held. And then not long after that, he can start to relax and come even further underneath you. And you'll get it to the point to where you have to ride him a little bit to keep him going but in a perfect world every time we rode a horse we would do you know at least five minutes of transitions like walk 10 feet trot 10 feet lope 10 feet trot 10 feet walk 10 feet stand 30 seconds you know back up 10 feet and then skip the walk right out of the backing jump right into a medium trot for 10 feet then extended trot then slow trot then from a slow trot right to a lope right to an extended lope and then a gallop and then right back down to a medium trot. So, you know, that would be the ideal world. Those horses, when you do that, they get pretty quickly, they get really good at thinking about, you know, like, hey, where do I need to be? Like, where is the rider wanting me to be speed-wise? So uh, allowing them to free up and move out is that's that's why when you see like people that really know what they're doing like when they're doing colt startings they uh kind of the first thing they do is get them moving out and going because it's like the very first thing you want the horse to learn is that he can still have all of his natural freedom of movement even with a saddle and a human and reins and all that. Now, if it's a good rider, you know, they'll have him pretty convinced of that very quickly. But if it's a timid rider or not as, as good of a rider, well, then they'll, they'll kind of leave some of that brace and that bother in that colt because he never was really fully convinced that he had full freedom of movement, uh, even with a human up on his back. So moral of the story, uh, Try to try to get them to kind of move out and go a little bit sometimes. All right, I hope that helps you guys out, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Carson James Podcast. Real, simple, horsemanship. Subscribe now to get new questions answered every week. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, drop us a review and share it with your horsey friends. 